Good morning. How does that sound out there? Good. My ears are plugged. I promise I'm not infectious. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the First Universalist Unitarian Church. My name is Roxanne Borneman, and I'm a member of this congregation. I'd like to extend a special welcome to everyone joining us here and also online this morning. Since 1958, UUWASA has served as a vital voice for liberal religion in central Wisconsin. We are an intentionally free society that welcomes all people, just as you are, regardless of age, your sexual orientation, your ethnicity, or your economic situation. Wherever you happen to be on your life's journey, you are very welcome here. We are currently worshiping both in person and online, so be sure to subscribe to our newsletter, I'm sure all of you have, and follow us on Facebook or Instagram for updates. We have quite a few announcements, so hang in there with me for a few minutes. First and foremost, in my opinion, the most important announcement today is that we are celebrating a 95th birthday today, and that person is Dory Eberline, and she's with us today. So if you have a minute, please wish her a happy, happy birthday. After today's service, check out the Shine a Light on Kindness Challenge board that's in our atrium and write down a kindness that you have experienced during the week. The board will be cleared and a new one begun each month. We're in a time of change right now for our UU Church and our religious education program and with change comes that opportunity to revision who and how we want to be now and into our future. And we'd like to invite you to be part of that conversation. Next Sunday, April 23rd, we'll meet after the service for a smaller group conversation over a light lunch. Let's share our stories, ponder what has changed, and explore our wishes, our fears, and our hopes for the future. Space is limited, so if you would be so kind as to RSVP at a link that is in your um, bulletin. Also coming up next week, it's going to be Earth Day, April 23rd, which marks our very first anniversary of the Project Sea Change at our church. The scroll for 22:23 will be on display and the scroll for 2324 will be available for the very first time. These scrolls are living documents of all of our collective efforts to protect the interdependent web of existence of which we are all part. We want to thank all of you who have recorded your good green deeds in the past year, and we hope you're going to continue with the project. We invite you to bring, now this would be next Sunday, a serving of a chopped fruit or vegetable for the vegan salad with which we will celebrate Earth Day 2023 
after our worship service. And then lastly, but certainly not least, Sunday, April 30th, is going to be Susan Wasilik's last sabbatical Sunday with us. I think I mangled her name. I apologize. To honor her, we're going to be hosting a glorified coffee hour after the service. And if possible, please bring a treat to share, and let's gather to thank her for all the time that she has spent with us. And now with that, let us gather our hearts and our minds for worship. Please join me in reciting the church's chalice lighting. You will find the words printed in your order of service. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light the symbol of our faith as we gather together. We'll see if I need that. Can you hear me in the back? Was that a yes? Okay. If I get faint, let me know. For a call to worship today, a covenant. This is an adaptation of a longer piece written by Sidney Morris. We covenant this day with every living creature and with the earth itself and with the waters themselves and the sky itself. We covenant that all our powers will be used to prevent their destruction. In wilderness is the preservation of the world. We covenant this day with the great unity of all sentient beings and all that exists, with the unending cycles of birth and growth, death and rebirth, of which we are a part, with the knowledge of our belonging and our grace, we covenant as members of the family universal to be with one another in the spirit of connectedness. In wisdom is the preservation of the world. Our gathering hymn this morning is number 389. And those of you who are frequent attendees at the winter solstice service have this probably just about committed to heart by now. We have used it traditionally to begin that service. And we'll do it as a round, because we have to do it as a round, right, Margaret? And the way we'll make that work is Margaret will play it through one time, we'll sing it together one time, and then we'll, I'm going to divide us into two sections here and we'll do it a two-part round. So we'll begin after Margaret plays it through, we sing it together once. The right side of the sanctuary will begin and then the left side 
I'll signal you when it's your turn to start. And we're pretty evenly balanced. We've got a few choir ringers on this side over here, but I'm sure that we'll be able to take care of that on the left side. So please, hymn number 389, Rise as you're able, gathered here. Thank you. You may be seated. Please join in the affirmation as printed in your order of service. Love is the doctrine of this church. The quest of truth is its sacrament, and service is its prayer. To dwell together in peace, to seek knowledge and freedom, to serve human need, to the end that all souls shall grow into harmony with the divine. Thus do we covenant with each other. This morning, as we explore life cycles and interdependence, I'd like to join, invite you to join me in imagining what it might feel like to grow from an acorn into a mighty oak. There'll be a few points during the meditation where I give instructions on how the tree will move, and you are welcome to act those out however it works best for your space and your body. And last, I wanted to note that meditation can be a really difficult practice for folks, so if at any point during the meditation you feel uneasy, you please, feel, please feel welcome to let your mind focus and shift to something else. You ready? Let's begin. To start, I invite you to find a comfortable position. You may wish to put your feet flat on the ground, let your body rest up against the back of the pew. Rest your hands gently on your thighs, your eyelids relaxed or maybe closed, and spend a moment checking in with your breathing, making it soft and easy. Imagine you are a small acorn. You are the seed of a mighty oak tree. 
I wonder how you were planted in the soil. Maybe a farmer or a squirrel put you there. Now that you are in the soil, you need a few things to grow. I see rain clouds gathering. Feel the gentle rain as it comes to quench your thirst. Now your roots are going deeper and anchoring you in the soil. You need some sunshine to keep growing. Turn your face up to the sun and feel its rays warming the soil all around you. You are beginning to sprout, slowly and gradually stretching your roots further into the soil. The sunlight is shining down on you, and you have lots of water and nutrients in the soil that are helping you grow even taller, slowly stretching up taller and taller. There's more sun and more rain, and now your branches are growing as they stretch out, one at a time, and your leaves are unfurling. You are now a small tree. As you continue to grow, your trunk and branches reach high up in the air towards the sun, and now you are a fully grown tree. In the spring, you will have flowers. In the fall, you will have nuts, acorns, and you will live a long life, providing a home for birds, food for insects and squirrels, and oxygen for people. Listen to the bird's song. Feel the squirrels tickling your bark as they run up and down your strong trunk. Breathe out oxygen for people and use carbon dioxide people provide for you. A storm is coming. Your branches shake and blow in the wind, but your roots keep you anchored. After many storms and many seasons, you are growing old. You may even lose the top of your tree, slowly leaning. As you begin to lose branches to disease and storms, slowly leaning and drooping. Maybe you begin to decompose on the inside, releasing all of your nutrients back to the soil, but still remain standing. You are now a snag. Snags offer a great place for woodpeckers to hollow out their homes. Listen to the woodpeckers drumming. Eventually, over many years, you, the snag, will fall to the ground. You will become a log lying on the floor's floor, home to many animals, insects, salamanders, worms, and fungi and moss. What might happen next? If the conditions are right, if there is enough sun, rain, and soil, a new tree will grow in your place from a seed or a nut carried by the wind or a bird or a squirrel. And the cycle begins again. I invite you to take one last slow and gentle breath and return from the forest to our sanctuary. Thank you for imagining with me this morning. I invite you now to join in blessing our children and youth to their groups this morning with May Peace Surround You. The words are printed in your order of worship.
stand up here so we can be heard. Shall we be heard? All right, I'm Sarah, and this is my husband, Brad, and um, we are going to read a short scenario for you about end-of-life planning. Hey, Brad, don't spill that compost all over the floor, okay? I just got done cleaning up after the dog who got in the garbage can again. Heading to the basement with this. Uh, bag full of Burma compost is not going to hurt anything, and I'm not going to spill it. But, you know, the worm bins that I have in the basement, I can eventually turn into a bigger worm farm, and... Then we can hit pay dirt. Ah, good. Hitting some pay dirt with the worm farm. Can't wait. That's what I always aspired to. I, I knew our path together would be a thing of beauty. <laughs> uh, but at any rate, um, yeah, probably uh, between all the dirty laundry in our house, your garden outside, all the plants inside, the now flooded dog kennel, we've got a lot of dirt, honey. A lot of dirt. That's us. Dirtiest kids I know. And uh, so far, it's more dirt than pay, but oh well, that's how it goes. Maybe someday we'll grow up and be like our Barbie and Ken neighbors. You know, their dirt isn't even dirty. It's just clean. I know, and their names really are Barbie and Ken. <laughs> how did that happen? Well, I, don't, I don't know how much longer we can convince them that we're just being organic and natural. natural instead of just diehard slobs. Yeah, well, organic sounds much better than slobs, but if the shoe fits... <laughs> Shoe fits the dirt wears. Well, at least we can convince. We at least we uh, we convinced our neighbors to embrace the no mow. May maybe that's just a start. Maybe that is just a start. But I have to say, I don't know if it was the mimosas or the environment that finally prompted their <laughs> their decision for no mow May. Your mimosas are good. They are good, and I'd I'd give you one now, but we're kind of out of orange juice, and plus it gives you acid reflux. Oh, well, Barbie and Ken someday, too, will get acid reflux. Um, but, you know, I would like to, uh, without a mimosa, perhaps persuade you, as I, we persuaded them, to no mo may, uh, to maybe have a little more of a discussion about our end-of-life care. You know, we do have an appointment with the attorney, and, and uh, Lee Jr. and the kids are coming. I'd like, to, I'd like to be on the same page here, and I've just been waiting for you to sit down with me again and, uh, you know, and have a talk. Well, I think I agreed that you want a cremation, yeah. and, and that's fine. I don't know why we can't have separate grand finale. Grand finale. Well, you know, actually, the only reason you agreed to my cremation is because my brother promised that he'd drop a lighted cigarette into my casket should you give me a regular funeral. What are brothers for? Plus, he did always want an excuse to start smoking again at any rate. But, but we don't have to have separate grand finales. That's what I'm trying to talk to you about. I want to do further exploration with the church about green burial. You know, I really have changed my mind about cremation. I really have. And I respect that you found it, you know, something that would be kind of hasty or rash, you know, violent even. It, 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 is a, it, it is a stark and dramatic way to leave the earth. But now I really do want to talk more about green burial. You know, we've had such, we've stuck together through thick and thin 
and, and I'd like our, our journey away from the earth and to the next world, whatever that may be, uh, to be one of unity. Um, I, I really have done more digging about cre cremation. All right. More digging about cremation. Sorry, but as it turns out, it wasn't what I thought it was. There are some drawbacks to it, you know, and they became much more visible after COVID given how scarce storage space came and how quickly in certain metropolitan areas the bodies were piling up. Some areas actually lifted the number, lifted the limitations on how many people could be cremated at a given time. And COVID aside, more and more people just have decided that cremation is the way to go, um, an alternative. But that's also meant that people have studied it further and the environmental impact of uh, cremation is, is nothing to sneeze at. Well, it is allergy season. <laughs> it is. Uh, but anyway, do you know that cremating one body takes almost three hours? And it releases something like 600 pounds of carbon dioxide into the earth. And, and that's about what we dispel on a round trip to Chicago driving to Chicago and back. Now, if you think about it, one round trip to Chicago may not seem that profound or that damaging, that, that, that damaging, environmentally difficult, but when you think of all the dead bodies driving back and forth to Chicago, <laughs> all those dread bodies, what do you have? You have a very bad, low-budget horror film. Yes, you do. But what about those problems that you had with traditional burials? Uh, this use of precious space, the, the vaults that never deteriorate, chemicals, and not just the ones that they use for embalming. What about uh, chemo residue? What about uh, the, the mercury uh, or, or chemical residue from implants and things? The mercury from your teeth? Um, medications you know there's a lot of antidepressants that are going into the ground into groundwater and seeping into the rivers and uh, killing the sex drive of fish what have humans left to destroy mm -hmm. the sex drive of fish but yeah you know and some of those problems do persist I just I guess it turns out that both living and dying human beings create some messes but you know that saying, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good? For one thing, far less space is required for a green burial. Plants not native to the land are often not allowed into these sanctuaries, even stones that aren't native to the land. So there's a real preservation of the integrity of the earth. And in terms of how we've lived and what we revere, jokes about being slobs aside, in terms of our values, green burial suits us well, and it's simple. And we get to choose the terms of our own return to the earth. Okay, I get all that. But think about, think about us and think about our kids. You have to, with green burial, you have to wash the body. And that's the family's responsibility. Do you think our sons are going to want to say, yeah, we'll get in there and wash mom and dad's dead body and then wrap them in a shroud of silk or linen or cotton? 
I mean, no, they're not going to want to do that. If we told them that's what they had to do now, they would freak out and burn us alive, I think. I don't know. <laughs> just. Uh... Well, that would be efficient. Um, well, you know, people change. You know, our grandkids may seem too afraid to camp right now. They may be too squeamish, but th th things change. They'll grow up, and maybe they will become more comfortable with these things. And it doesn't have to be next of kin. I mean, if you die first, and given your advanced age, <laughs> that could well happen. If you die first, I find it an honor to prepare you, to, to send you off, to wrap you up in a beautiful cloth of your own choosing, or, or put you in a, a, a plain wooden, I would find it a joy. And even if our kids don't care to do it, I know we have friends and loved ones would, who would, and even you can still use the services of a funeral home. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful act, and I just don't think it's, it's scary at all. And in terms of it keeping out, creeping out the grandkids, I, I think from what others have said, and I think about my mom and, and growing up in a good Irish Catholic home and having wakes in their house, Having Uncle Joe sit in the parlor while everyone around Uncle Joe got hammered, I, I think it, it kind of took some of the mystery and scariness, uh, the, the creepiness almost, or formality associated with funeral homes, I think it took them out of the picture. And, and I think even more than cremation might, this might actually make more sense to our grandchildren and to their peers. Um, you know, cremation, I remember when Jess told our cousin that Grandpa had been put in a fire when my little cousin Amy asked where Grandpa went, and she, he said, in a fire. Well, that gave little kid, that, that child still has nightmares. Maybe not. Mm -hmm. She's 40. But, <laughs> but, but that can be a very, as you suspected, a very violent, a very upsetting thing to do. So we live in Wisconsin, it freezes, <coughs> yeah. and the ground is hard to chop up. Uh, you die out of winter, I can wrap you up in warm clothing, but I can't get you in the ground till spring. How does that work with green burial? Well, it depends. There are funeral facilities, uh, or, you know, funeral homes, morticians, whatever you want to call them, who, who will, for a fee, store you until the earth warms up. But also, the funeral homes around this part of the country and in other places where there are you know, climates where the earth freezes, they have a way to, to warm just the small section that we would be placed in, and, and that's another service that we can do, have them provide. So. Well, I, um, I will hope that we both go in warm weather, just yes, let's to be on the safe side. Although then we'd miss and the I, warm weather. <laughs> and I do, uh, I do like the idea of the green burial in the same way that I don't burn my garden waste, I compost it and, and uh, let my worms eat our food that we, we don't eat. So I guess I'm, I'm on the same page with that, so let's, 
let's keep exploring. And, Have I uh, ever led you astray? Well, not on the big things. Not let's just say that. Not on the big things. So, um, so why not? Let's just let's keep talking dirty to talking each other. Talking dirty. <laughs> Thank you, what a great way to be introduced to Green Burial. A change of topic now. Um, today's service is for our community collection. And we are delighted, I know I am very, very happy that we have the guest speaker that was able to come today. Jessica Scharfenberg is here today as the Chief Executive Officer of Health First. And Health First is an organization that perhaps you are unaware of or you are only aware of a small part of all of the services that they provide to men and women in our community. And with the amount of angst I think we're all going through related to human rights, the value of us and the importance of our health services, I think the organization that she represents is a very, very important one in our community. I'm going to turn things over to Jessica. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for allowing me to be here with you today. My name is Jesse Scharfenberg. I am the Chief Executive Officer of Health First. Health First is a nonprofit reproductive health and WIC clinic. We serve nine counties in central Wisconsin, as far north as Tomahawk, and as far south as Baraboo, Wisconsin. So pretty much everything throughout the middle, we have our reproductive health services. And then in our foremost northern counties, we also provide WIC services. So a little bit about what we do and our mission as an organization is to ensure that individuals have the autonomy to choose when, if, and how they want to get pregnant and health services to help them achieve that. So we offer full service contraceptive for individuals, but we also believe in whole person care. So when individuals are coming in, we're offering them annual exams, baseline labs, because many of our clients are of low income and they don't go anywhere else for health services because they don't have access. So really giving individuals an option for low to no cost healthcare within our communities is extremely important when they don't have those options. We also um, have a really big heart for the LGBTQ plus population and the struggles that they are facing and being able to be a healthcare provider that is understanding for them and help them through their needs. And then we do STI testing and a lot of other health related services within our reproductive health um, clinics to make sure individuals are cared for. Um, anyone can walk in the door and we're gonna serve them. I love our organization and our mission because if someone comes in, if they don't have a payer source, it's like, all right, then we're not going to charge you for your services that day. And that's a lot different than our other health systems in the area. So being able to provide those services when an individual doesn't have a choice and they can't pay, but still giving those services to them is extremely important to us. 
Along with that is we have the WIC program, so women, infants, and children. So we help, help individuals of lower income who are pregnant or postpartum and kiddos up to five years of age by providing nutrition education and then supplemental food benefits. One of the biggest things is being able to offer formula to moms who struggled with breastfeeding or just don't have that option because they have to go back to work. Um, being that resource for them for that supplemental food, especially right now, our numbers are increasing dramatically with where everything is at with inflation and the cost of food. Families are really struggling in our area, so to be able to give them that support they need. One of the most amazing things that we did last year is we ordered um, added a social worker to our model of care, knowing that our WIC dietitians and our nurse practitioners don't always have enough time to figure out all of the needs of the individual. But by adding that social worker, we can refer them across the hall to the social worker and she can help get them all of the resources they need, whether that's housing, maybe they need food, clothing, childcare, being able to make those referrals and make those connections for mental health services, for the services above and beyond our care. So although we have our small niche of reproductive health care in WIC, we're making sure that individuals that leave have all of the services that they need and a community of support behind them. So thank you guys. For our first reading today, two sections from William Cullen Bryant's poem, Thanatopsis. Now, I looked this morning to see when this was written. It was written just over 200 years ago. And Bryant, when he wrote this poem, was 17 years old, which is amazing to think that someone had this kind of wisdom at age 17. Bryant wrote, Earth that nourish thee shall claim thy growth to be resolved to earth again and lost each human trace surrendering up thine individual being thou shalt go to mix forever with the elements 
to be a brother to the insensible rock and to the sluggish clod which the rude swain turns with his share and treads upon, the oak shall send his roots abroad and pierce thy mole. And then the end of the poem, which some of you might remember from a high school English class, Bryant concludes this way, So live that when thy summons comes to join the innumerable caravan which moves to that mysterious realm, where each shall take his chamber in the silent halls of death. Thou go not like the quarry slave at night, scourged by his dungeon, but sustained and soothed by an unfaltering trust. Approach thy grave like one who wraps the drapery of his couch about him and lies down to pleasant dreams. I ask you to join me in spirit of meditation. Find a comfortable position. Take a deep breath. Clear your mind. I share with you these words from Kathy Ryan Starr on what we can learn from spring's power. Spirit of spring and new life, Spirit of decay and death, we turn to your wisdom and strength as we seek to live lives of meaning and love. The cycle of life is powerful. Everything that lives dies. Everything that dies has lived. There is no escaping this cycle. What then can we learn from its power? The leaves that we put away in the fall are now compost, fertilizing the soil as we prepare to till the garden for this year's plantings. That harbinger of spring, the crocus, brings such delight and lasts for but a moment. Then it's gone making way for the abundance of green and color that spring will bring. When one who was beloved dies, we cry, we mourn, we lament, and we carry them on in our hearts, seeking to live as they inspired us to live. As a child grows, we marvel at their unfolding into their own unique self. These lives we live hold so much beauty and so much pain. And we, like each of our ancestors across the millennia, seek to live them fully. We seek love. We seek to appreciate beauty. We seek solace and healing. We seek to hold fast to the core of goodness of this world and to amplify its abundance. We seek one another, for no one can do this alone.
now in the company of all of us here. Let us enter a time of silence. May this silence be a time to honor that which your heart seeks. May it be so. Second hymn today, meditation hymn. It's number 123. Familiar to just about everybody. You may remain seated. Margaret will play it through one time. We'll sing it twice. One, two, three, spirit of life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
sense, yeah. Yeah, thank you, sir. Good morning. I'm Linda Grilly. I'm new to this congregation and have thoroughly felt blessed since we joined. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, Margaret signaling, Linda, Linda. I wanted to introduce our committee, Steve Schmidt, you will see soon, Joni Han, who you know, Sarah Rudolph, who dragged Brad here today, thank you to both of you, myself, Jess Zimmer, and our wonderful leader, Randy Jefferson. I didn't have that in the script, so he didn't know I was going to say that. The committee took shape over six years ago, starting when Randy presented to some of you about green burial. At that time, for most of you, you were going, oh, now what's Randy up to? Since then, we have formed a delightful committee. It has worked hard, it has done many things, and this presentation is part of our actions to bring you up to date and invite you to be part of the conversation. What have we been doing? We started with educating ourselves. We've read, we've debated, we've laughed, we have visited cemeteries, green burial cemeteries. We've looked at regulations. I will admit, a little boring, but important. And we realize there is much we will be learning into the future. I'm sorry my voice shakes. I get excited when I'm up here, and it just does. <laughs> Anne's giving me the thumbs up. Thank you, Anne. One of the pieces that we have found extremely helpful is the Green Burial Council's documents on the web. You can look them up on the web. They are the standard setting in our country. They have lots of valuable information, and you'll hear more about it, but we do encourage you to dig into it yourselves. What we've learned, locally, there's not access. There's nowhere in north central Wisconsin where you can currently choose to have a green burial. The cemeteries do not allow it. You have to have a vault, you have to have a casket, and you can choose, well, you can't, you're dead, but your family can choose whether you'll be embalmed or not embalmed. All of that, as Brad and Sarah presented, is a difficult carbon footprint, a very nasty carbon footprint. In terms of cremation, that is allowed. We all know that. About 50% of the people that die have their bodies cremated. And again, a carbon footprint is created. Some local funeral directors have had education in how to do green burials and are very willing to participate in doing that. So we do have that already in our area. Regulatory requirements include zoning, how deep a body has to be buried, what, what things like that. The zoning requirements vary in the state and locally. We have been working and digging into that information and it's guiding us because we know we want to be legal when we do get the cemetery set up. Estimating use of the Green Burial Cemetery, at best, we have a guess. We know that three to five people have their funeral at church every year. We also know that about 800 people die in Marathon County each year. About 50% choose to have their body cremated. The other 50% get buried. Of the 50% that get buried, another half, or about 100 people, 
are not embalmed. The green burial option is growing in the United States. One of the earlier ones in the state of Wisconsin is down in Verona, and they have recently added more land because it is something that people are seeking out. Searching for land, speaking of land, we are estimating about three to 20 acres. That's a pretty big spread. The spread is partly because of zoning requirements, and we want to be prepared to be able to meet that. Most likely, we will be able to be somewhere around three to five acres. Stay tuned, as I said earlier. Mowing there will be minimal. The land will be kept natural. We hope to have possibly, depending what the land looks like, some small pathways. We know we'll need a driveway to be able to get into the property. There won't be a big parking lot, but parking will be provided for. We would like to have land that has easy access, but because it is a natural setting, it will not be accessible for people with different mobility issues. We've explored one possible option, walk the land, talk to the owner, got very exciting, and the option went away. We have two other options, people who have come forward to us, and neither couple is a member of this congregation, that have, are very interested in us considering purchasing some of their land for Green Burial Cemetery. The conversations are going well. We have not yet walked the land. That needs to happen. That said, if you know of anybody that has land that you think would make a, green, a nice green burial cemetery, please let us know. And ideally, we would love it if someone would contribute, i.e., donate the land to this effort. Cost for this whole thing. Cost for a funeral varies a whole lot, as you probably are aware. There are two major elements to that. One piece is the whole lot piece, buying the lot. If you're buried at a traditional cemetery, you have to pay for the vault. The vault has to be paid for. The preparation of the land, the burial of the body, the casket, and they can be oh, thousands and thousands of dollars or as simple as a cardboard box. So that cost is something to keep in mind when you compare the difference between a green burial and a traditional burial. Another part of the cost is what the funeral director does. Embalming is costly. Cremation costs money. Sarah and Brad said that during the winter months, you can have the body preserved for a summer burial. There is a cost to that. It is minimal. When you look at a green burial, you're looking at a body that is not embalmed. You're looking at land that, yes, the land has to be dug. The body does go into the land in something. It can be a cardboard box. It can be a beautiful shroud. It can be a pine box or, if you like, oak, an oak box or whatever you'd like, as long as it is compostable. The cost of a green burial is far less than the cost of a conventional, traditional burial. That's a good thing. Another cost of the, uh, doo -doo -doo, oh, I cut out all that because Brad and Sarah covered it. Excuse me, revenue. We have to buy the land. We don't know what that's going to cost and how we're exactly going to get it. We do anticipate that there will be, if you want to be buried there, there's the cost of having your lot. 
we will be doing some fundraising and asking people who are interested to help us with the purchase of the land. There would be, when you're buried there, a separate burial fee. It depends upon how your family and loved ones choose to do the burial. If they decide to dig the hole, that decreases the cost. And it's also a very healthy option for people to do if they want to do it. If they decide to prepare the body, as Brad and Sarah talked about, that decreases the cost. So cost is a factor. Revenue, I mentioned that we would be doing some fundraising, and I hope I get this wording all correct. Randy coached me on it. Uh, going forward, a cemetery fund for the purpose of retaining donations and cemetery plot payments would be established as a board-designated restricted fund. We know we have to be very responsible with the money. Care of the cemetery. We are working on the plans going forward. We want the land to be improved because it is a green cemetery. Maintaining the health of the land, ideally over time, making it better. Planning for the maintenance to ensure that what happens, it, to keep it usable for future members, natural and accessible. We're looking into the option of setting up a land trust through a nature conservancy. One thing I failed to mention earlier, we do not envision, in terms of the estimates, that the Green Burial Cemetery would only be for members. Many of you have family members who may or may not be members here, and there are other people in the community that are not UU members that possibly would be interested in this. As I pointed out, the landowners so far who have come forward are not UU members. Your part. You have a very important part in, the, in this effort. Please get informed. I mentioned the Green Burial Council. Go out and explore that website. Wonderful information. Please ask us questions. We will be at the coffee hour afterwards, and there will be a film being viewed up in the the Yonkey Hall, I'm still learning the names of the different rooms, I apologize, uh, that I think you will find very interesting. Our phone numbers, Donica nicely made a slip of paper that has our names and numbers on there. Contact us if you have questions, thoughts, concerns, whatever we can help with. Let us know about land, that would be very helpful. Take the time to view the video, I said that. Um, and I said that. One very important piece, again, thanks Randy for the coaching, is participate in the duly constituted congregational meeting for the purpose of authorizing the purchase of the land. That meeting would be held after the committee's recommendations for land purchase is approved by the board. We don't know yet when that will be, but please, please, please come and participate. It's blank on the other side. I looked at my watch, I know what time it is. I realize it's moving along and there's still a little bit to be done today. And I've, I've debated not doing this reading, but I just thought, I've just got to do this reading. So, 
And I, I did it, when I did this service six years ago, I included this reading in it. And it's, in, it's written by a woman, Caitlin Doty, and you may know about her. She is sort of someone who's become quite well known in the whole uh, green burial movement and um, different approaches to, to death and dying. She wrote a book, she wrote a book, her first thing, what really made her famous, this book called Smoke Gets In Your Eyes. She took a job uh, in a crematorium in Oakland, California, and didn't really know much about anything, and she learned an awful lot from working in this crematorium, and wrote this book, which is just a superb read, very funny, believe it or not, about working in this crematorium. After that, she wrote a book called From Here to Eternity, which is, is about cultural burial practices around the world, which is also really interesting. But Dodi, after she'd worked in this crematorium for quite some time and gave a fair amount of thought to herself, wrote this. Not only is natural burial by far the most ecologically sound way to perish, it doubles down on the fear of fragmentation and loss. Making a choice to be naturally buried says, not only am I aware that I'm a helpless, fragmented mass of organic matter, I celebrate it. Viva la decay! <laughs> by this stage of my time at West Wind, West Wind was the crematorium, I had already decided that I already decided on a green burial for my own body. I understood that I had been given my atoms, the ones that make up my heart and toenails and kidneys and brain, on a kind of universal loan program. The time would come when I would have to give the atoms back. That ends Dodi's reading. Now we got some people who are going to share some stories with you, personal and otherwise. Hi, I'm Joni Hahn, and I've been involved on this committee since Randy did his first service back in 2017 and have uh, just continued to do my own research. We wanted to end today um, with some personal stories for you just so you get a feel for how important this experience has been for people who have gone through it. Um, I want to say that the most exciting thing that I think has happened on our committee right now is this actual commitment to have building our own cemetery, getting the land, and moving ahead with it. Um, because we found natural burial cemeteries in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and in Minnesota near the Twin Cities and in the southern part of the state and the western part of the state, but there is absolutely nothing available in this area. So this is the most exciting part that I really feel like we're moving ahead now. So thanks. I know it's past 1130, but thank you for hanging in here. The personal story that I want to share for you is one that I found on a website. This is written by Sarah Williams, who is a, um, a home funeral assistant in North Carolina. And I found this story on her website called shroudingsisters.com. Sarah writes this. Many years ago, Jack told his wife, Joan, that he wanted a green burial. He hated the smell of funeral homes where he made frequent flower deliveries. I don't want any of that stuff done to me, he told her more than once. She never forgot it. And on Earth Day in 2021, a beautiful, crisp, sunny 
day Jack got his wish, he was laid to rest at a green burial ground in Greensboro, North Carolina, in a magnificent shroud created by a local artist. There was a brief service, and while a bagpiper played Amazing Grace, family and friends shoveled dirt into his grave as the final ritual act of honoring Jack. Sarah goes on to say, I can never get over these statistics, which those of us in the natural death and dying arena see too often. Each year, 22,500 conventional cemeteries across the USA bury approximately 30 million board feet of hardwood in the caskets, 90,272 tons of steel in the caskets, 14,000 tons of steel in the vaults, 2,700 tons of copper and bronze in the caskets, 1,636,000 tons of reinforced concrete in the vaults, and 827,060 gallons of embalming fluid, which mostly, most commonly includes formaldehyde. Thank you, Jack, for realizing the importance of recycling yourself back into nature you were a mighty big lesson for all the folks present that day, and I hope they will remember, as the poet Joy Hario says, remember the earth whose skin you are, red earth, black earth, yellow earth, white earth, brown earth. We are earth. Thank you. This is actually uh, the story I'm going to read. It was written by a dear friend of mine, and it was getting to know of their experience that really motivated me and excited me to join um, Randy and the others in, in trying to make this a reality in our part of Wisconsin. So my friend Edie Barron writes, My friend Alice was beautiful, beautiful, vivacious, generous, and loving. She had an infectious laugh. She was a joy, joyful person. She lived in Madison with her dog, Dottie. While I worked in Madison a lot, I lived in Janesville, so her house became my second home. Our dogs were best buds. There isn't anything that Alice and I didn't talk about. Our past adventures, our current loves, getting older. She was the first woman to admit precisely what she missed about her youthful body. And we discussed death. I had read an article about green burials in North Carolina, I think. At that time, there wasn't anything like that in the Madison area. She said she would love to be able to have a green burial. We promised each other that we would try to make that happen. We also promised that whoever left the world first would come back and tell the other what the other side was like. She did come back to visit me, but that's another story. Green Burial eventually came to the Madison area at the Farley Center for Peace, Justice, and Sustainability in Verona. It's a beautiful place. There is an organic farm, a store, and a green burial site on the grounds. They have various events there open to the public. Alice and I actually went there for an art fest a year or so before she even knew she was sick. She said that this was the place she wanted to be buried. So she paid for a site, and was able to pick it out. And as they say, little did she know. Alice was diagnosed with lung cancer in August of 2016. She died on December 12, 2016. She chose home hospice. 
her sister Mary, and our friend Dale became her caretakers. I had been out of town for the last two weeks of her life, but I talked to her almost every day. She eventually suffered a stroke. I came home and was with her on the last day of her life. She couldn't talk, but she looked to me as if she understood me. She and I used to play her piano together, and I spent most of that day at the piano with Alice in her bed next to me. At about 10.30 that evening, I said I was going to bed. Mary sat on the couch, looking at Alice. A few minutes later, Mary came into my room. She asked me to look at Alice. She had died. Mary said at one point Alice sat straight up and looked right at her and then laid back down and took her last breath. Farley's had protocols for us to follow. Everything she was buried in had to be biodegradable. Alice had a friend make her a shroud. She picked her own clothes, all cotton. We had to bury her within 48 hours. Since it was winter, there was a concern that the ground would freeze. Alice's brother called Farley's as soon as she had had the stroke, when the end seemed near, and Farley's prepared the gravesite. After Mary got me out of bed, we called the rest of the family, and then we called the hospice nurse. She came over after midnight, and she had to call an official time of death. The nurse said she had never done a green burial and wasn't sure of what to do. Mary and I washed Alice's body. That was such an incredible gift my friend gave me that I was privileged to attend to her in that manner. We dressed her and wrapped her partially in the shroud, which was a beautiful handmade blanket. We took turns sitting up with her. The next morning, more family came to see her. Then it was time to go. We wrapped her up completely and put her on a wooden pallet. We tied her to the pallet, and Dale and her brother carried her into the car. None of, us, none of our cars were big enough, so her brother rented a station wagon for this last ride. We got to Farley's. The people who work there are incredible. They met us at the parking lot and guided us to Alice's spot. We did everything for her burial under their guidance. We lowered her with ropes into the grave. We sang and threw sage and flowers on top of her. We all took turns shoveling the dirt back on top of her. We had the use of the Farley house to gather after the burial. I brought Alice's favorite champagne, and we all toasted her and told Alice stories. One of her friends carved a stone for her. Farley's was very specific about the dimensions. It had to lay flat. It is a wonderful stone of Alice and a dog walking away from us. Hi, I'm Steve Schmidt, and I was born... What's that? Okay, thanks. Um, I was born in 1970 in Chicago and grew up in Houston, where my love of nature developed on weekend camping trips with the family and longer trips with scouts and fishing with relatives on vacation to, to Wisconsin. As I began to understand more of the world, I started to feel a great distaste for sprawl. Being an introvert helped with that. I'd argue that Houston is the poster child of sprawl. Every time I came home from college in East Texas, I noticed the speed at which new buildings and roads were being built. My basic life philosophy is echoed on the, in the Aerosmith song called Amazing, where Steven Tyler sings the simple phrase, life's a journey, not a destination. Emerson is credited with coining this phrase, but Tyler's voice is who I hear in my thoughts. If life after death is our focus, then how do we engage in this world? That said, I do think it's worth pausing to ask how we want to be remembered. 
For me, it's simply to be loved after death. I share a love of nature with my family. Perhaps when they are curious about something they see on a hike to the creek on Washington Island or hear that first spring peeper calling, they'll think of me for a moment. I'm at the point in my life in which the generation of my family before me are experiencing a rather rapid decline in health. My mom is one of 11, and so I have many aunts and uncles. I also have many cousins to care for those uncles and aunts. We have had several funerals in the past four to five years, and this has led to those life discussions with the kids that are so important. I want to be buried naturally for two reasons, to minimize my impact after death And I find comfort in knowing that I'll be recycled to become part of other beings, the atmosphere, and the earth itself. When I pass, I will become a part of the odyssey of all atoms, including Adam X, which Aldo Leopold traced through many life forms. Sam Keen, in Caesar's last breath, makes a compelling and, yes, mathematical case that all of us likely have, at some point in our lives, had atoms in us that were part of Caesar, Jesus, and anyone else who came before us. So my natural burial, um, well, before the funeral, I'll need to have died. So, of course, I'd I'd like the opportunity to say bye. That'd be nice, but not with a lengthy illness, relatively pain-free. I'd like to die outside, or at least with a view of the sky and some tidbit of nature. That might be difficult in Wisconsin in the winter. Who knows? Um, However it happens, I'd like to not burden my family. Um, at my service, I'd like some, some music, perhaps Peter Mayer, um, for sure, probably some uh, Dave Matthews and Pearl Jam as well. Um, so opportunities for participation is what really, I think I really like about natural um, burial, is um, that family can contribute you know, photos and memories, of course, those kinds of things. But others digging the grave um, can be cathartic. Um, the backup, there needs to be a backup plan in case this is not met with action. Um, you know, everybody can shovel in a little bit of dirt and say a few things. That's a perfect opportunity to start that closure um, and then let the recycling gain momentum after that. I know there are many details to the plan that I have listed here that, that are still to be figured out. It's a start, though. The important work of this committee, in some ways, is just getting started, too. I'm grateful Randy thought I'd be interested and asked me to join. If you'd like to chat more about natural burial, just a reminder, we'll be available after the service um, at coffee hour. I'll leave you with this quote from Tessa when she was two years old. She sat on my lap as we looked at photos from my father's memorial, who had died four months before Tessa was born. He was cremated. I shed a few tears as we talked about her opa, who she had never met. She looked up at me and said, it's okay, Dad. When you die, people still love you. When I'm buried, I want to honor the earth and love the earth. Thank you for supporting the work of this committee, and happy Earth Week. Well, you made it. Closing hymn. Number 175, please rise as you're able. We celebrate the web of life.
Please remain standing. If you're comfortable, reach out, grab the hand of someone close to you. I close with these words from Kenneth Collier on what I know. I do not know where we go when we die. I do not know what the soul is or what death is or when or why. What I know is that the song once sung cannot be unsung and the life once lived cannot be unlived and the love once loved cannot be unloved. May it be so. Please be seated for the postlude.